welcome everyone to another episode of Those Knows. Aloha. This episode is being brought to you in part by our friends at Kona Boys. Green organic energy drink, Hurley Oakley and GoPro. Kona Coffee and Tea, Maverick Sport Fishing, Deuce Gym, Ultimate Predator Gear, and of course, Original Nutritionals. If you're ever over here in the islands, you want to cruise around and island hop and go check everything out, you gotta do Mokalele Airlines. Mokalele Airlines is a family-owned and operated business that tries to make your inner island travel as easy and affordable as possible. With over 120 flights daily throughout the Hawaiian Islands with no TSA, that's huge. Why would you not want to book your next trip or upcoming vacation with Mokalele Airlines? Um, they also do inner island tours. Go check out all the islands and see the volcano and the valleys and all that kind of stuff. They're really, really cool. Check them out at mokalele.com for all kinds of deals and specials. Or you can find them on all social media such as Mokalele on Facebook, at uh, Mokalele Air on Twitter. And, of course, on Instagram, Mokalele Airlines. Um, you can also find me on all social media. Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Dozer Dave and Doze Nose Podcast. On Facebook, at Dozer Dave Barnett and Doze Nose. Um, and Dozer Dave Nose on Twitter. Or don't forget, go to my website, dozenose.com, where you can see a more in-depth look at our guests links to our sponsors with all kinds of cool crazy deals and uh photos and videos and you name it we got all kinds of cool stuff on there so go check it all out um i hope you guys have been doing good man good start of the new year all kinds of fun stuff's been going on we had some great concerts great concert tours i kind of cold from all these guys it's been kicking my butt been kicking my girlfriend's butt and it's just going around and kicking everybody's butt. I think it's like the gnarliest flu season ever right now. So um, I hope you guys are all getting healthy and taking all your echinacea and vitamin C and anything else to keep you guys healthy. And if you're not, go see a doctor because this shit sucks. Um, but a few weeks ago, I was able to uh, go over to the North Shore during the Pipe Masters. And I was able to sit down with a good friend of mine and we were able to just talk story and bullshit. We've been trying to do this for a while. Uh, we almost did in Australia a couple of years ago. and uh, But, you know, this time we were able to sit down and uh, just freaking have fun. We're at the pipe house and uh, just talk story. Um, you guys all know who he is. He's a, one of the top WSL commentators. Uh, big wave surfer, just all around badass and cool dude. Oh my gosh. If you guys are ever out there and you get a chance to go to one of these WSL events and see all these top pros, go check out some of these commentators because they're really, really good. And they're all former pro surfers, at least the majority of them. And Strider Wasilewski is that guy. He's such a badass, cool guy. Um, so let's give a big warm welcome to Strider. Welcome to the show, bro. Everybody knows those knows. 
Everybody knows those laws. Everybody knows those. And if you don't know, now you those laws. Everybody knows those laws. Everybody knows those laws. Everybody knows those. And if you don't know, now you know. Strider, welcome to the show. It's nice to be here, Dozer. <laughs> we were just talking about uh, who had bigger balls, whether it was you or I, because my voice is deep. But I'm thinking that you have bigger balls just because of the waves that you've ridden in the past. Yeah, I've seen you on some massive chopu. I've seen you on some, some big toe-ins, too, some pretty gnarly situations that I wouldn't want to be in. But I don't know <laughs> if we can talk about those on this <laughs> No, we definitely cannot. Oh, how's, love it, you, how's it been going, brother? You know what? It's been pretty much uh, as good as it gets. Nice. I don't know. I, you know, like you go through life and you know, every ups and downs, and you get to a point to where you find yourself living a dream on the beach at Pipeline, which is where we are right now. Right, right in front of Pipeline. And it's just funny. I just keep coming back here. Yeah. And it's something that. I'll probably always do for the rest of my life. And, uh, well, the good thing is now put that me you're, on my, getting, on the you're, map. you're getting paid to come back here. Now, well, yeah, I, I actually paid to come here forever. Right. Then I got paid to surf out here, and now I'm getting paid to come back and surf and talk about it. It's got to be. Are you in the water as well, too? That's like, what I, yeah. My, doing... my role here at the Pipeline Masters is to be in the water right. the entire time as much as possible. To get all pickled up out there? Get all pruned out and yeah. pickled up and... Just can't even barely stand up on a wave every once in a while. But I get a couple waves, too. In betweeners, you get to get catch your wave in or go out. Or, you know, if you're down off the wall, you get a couple on the corner. Right. You just can't get too cleaned up because they don't want you to uh, dismantle the setup. Right. So you got a lot of stuff attached to me. Right. Because I've seen you in some of the heats, like in Fiji or in Tahiti. And you just run out there and you grab a couple of waves and just freaking get some barrels, dude. I've seen some <laughs> shots of you with all your gear. At cloud break in Tahiti, just full on mic'd out with your vest on and all this backpack of shit. And it was just funny shocked. this year in Tahiti, uh, they ran it three days straight, uh-huh. and nobody unpacked a surfboard out of our crew, the commentators' crew. Wow! And I was in the water, so I had to unpack my board. And between the semis and the final, I was just in the water, and they wanted me to go hunt down Jordy Smith uh-huh. for the interview. And I kept trying to get him, but he kept catching waves. So I waited for him on the peak. Right. And a wave came, and I was like, "Fuck this!" I'm a surfer first. <laughs> <laughs> and I got shacked. You know, they got I it on wax. That. I got film of it, and um, and then Jordy said I was he was happy I wasn't in his heat, jokingly of course. <laughs> but you know, it's always fun to sit out there and catch waves. And um, kind of the highlight, I guess, was in in uh, in. Fiji at cloud break, right. Owen Wright and Joel Parkinson are like, dude, you just got to get a wave, mm-hmm. pull in with the mic, t- talking the whole time. And if you make it, you make it. If not, you know, whatever. But how sick would that be? Right. And so I told the producers and they kind of, I don't know, they, they kind of got it, but they kind of didn't. So they didn't really force the issue of getting the shot. Mm-hmm. So there was a bunch of good photos of it. Um, but I think they had the mic turned off and they, they weren't filming it. So it kind of, I feel like they, 
might have dropped the ball on a, on a pretty good moment, but uh, Kirsten from the WSL, she was shooting photos, and she, she scored the photo. I was in the barrel getting shacked. Do well, you remember what you were saying? Well, yeah, I was talking about it. I was, uh, I was out in the water, and uh, Parco was surfing in between trying to get one, and right. I think there was a couple other guys in the water. I can't remember exactly who it was, um, and I was going to do a step-off, but I hadn't done enough step-offs at that point. And so I just fumbled the first wave that came through. Mm-hmm. But it ended up, I think like Parker or somebody got it, but it ended up not being that great of a wave. So it worked out, and I was paddling with the microphone in my mouth, and it was a pretty solid, like, you know, six, eight-foot uh, ledge wave. Mm-hmm. And I was underneath it, and I'd put myself in a funny place because I already missed the first one. But I was on this next, like, double up and just got it, t- pulled the mic out of my mouth, started talking about what I was doing, bottom turning, here comes the inside section, pulling in, <laughs> I'm in the barrel, it's coming over me, I'm, I'm getting a little deep, I don't know if I'm going to make it, and then the thing just whoof, came out, out, and then came over the back and like was all quiet, you know, you get that quiet moment, and the channel erupted, and I was all psyched, and it was just, that's you know, so it was cool. cool, it was one of those, like, you get, I mean, that's really the main objective for me is was when i got mm-hmm. the job was to stay surfing right because that's all i really care about yeah. or have cared about and yeah it's a selfish thing but i love surfing so much that i just was thinking god if i could get this job i could go around the world with the best surfers mm-hmm. in the world surfing the best waves and probably like just enjoy that 100 percent. then i learned how to my job as a how to do my job as a color commentator and like realize how hard it is and realize what in, it entails and the you know homework you got to do the behind the scenes stuff you're, you're live oh yeah you're one word away from getting fired mm-hmm. at all times and you know people slag a lot of the commentators and they they talk you know about it and it it's pretty funny because hey i'd love to see those guys sit down and just you know, basically, you just say go. Right. And how good are you going to be? Exactly. Well, you're obviously pretty good. <laughs> you snapped right up here. Well, thank God for Santa Monica and all the shit talking that um, yeah. was and entailed. You've been known for a lot of shit talking. Well, I grew up with it, so I had yeah. to do it and I had to defend myself. I was always the littlest guy. You know, I always got beat up uh, by the older guys, I was just got tortured by all the uh, older local guys in Santa Monica and Venice and. Just steamies on the beach where there's a dog walks by early morning, checking the waves. You know, you just want to hang out with all the, the guys, you right. know. It was like the boys, you know, Jay Adams, the McClure brothers, all these guys, Mike Packham. And a dog would walk by, take a big old shit on the beach, and then they'd kind of be looking around. I didn't know anything about a fucking steamy. They'd hold <laughs> you. They'd come and grab you, and they'd hold you. You know, it was cold in the morning. Right. So anything hot's going to steam. <laughs> and they'd hold your face right over it. <laughs> And you just be fucking getting a steamy. No way. So, I've never even heard of that. Dude, you don't even know the shit that, that went down. You know, like, from A to B, it's been a fucking gnarly ride. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't a, a walk in the park. And to get here now, like, who would have thunk? So how'd you get the name Raspberry? It's actually my middle name. Really? It's on my license, my passport. There's no P in it. Wow. It's just raspberry. Ah. And uh, my mom, God bless her, she's has passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but she told me my dad gave it to me. And they didn't get along, so I didn't see my dad for a really long time. And then when I got to see my dad, I said, What's, I was your mom. 
You know, uh, so, but this, this story kind of rounds back to uh, the same place uh, in Oakland, California. Uh-huh. And my mom and dad were, uh, well, they were dealers. Right. And my dad and my mom got hooked up with this chick who worked the corner out front. Uh-huh. And she was their connection, and her name was Raspberry. Mm. And they made a lot of money yeah. right off the bat until everything was great until it wasn't. Right. You know, because that's what happens when you're in that world. And, you know, my dad got in trouble. He went to jail. And me and my mom and my brother started over. We were living in England. And then I ended up in, we left literally like that night, came back to California, me, my mom, my brother, uh, and started over. And that's how I started surfing. Now, when you, when you got started over, um, you know, it's, you're, you know, you're talking about your parents both being, uh, drug dealers. Um, It was more my, my dad. dad. Right. My mom was just, uh, along for the, the ride. Sure. You know, it was, she Probably but you also know how didn't, easy didn't mind it enjoying is to, it, <laughs> right? Right, like we all have, yeah. you know, in our past when we were younger and stuff. But um, you also know how easy it is to make money off that as well, too. So yeah, if it's easy to make money off of something, it's usually not going to last very long, right? But there, there are the, uh, you know, sometimes it works out. So how old were you when you moved back from England? I was like six. Uh-huh. So you guys started a rebound and then um, cleaning up and then uh, yeah. you started to surf. Yeah. We uh, ended up in a place, a rent control building on the beach. We got government, you know, food stamps. Uh-huh. And uh, we ended up on a, on a rent control place because we didn't have any money uh, on the beach in Santa Monica. And... Right out front, you know, people would surf, and this was the late 70s, and they weren't even wearing leashes that much. So me and my right. brother would wait for them to lose their surfboards because we didn't have surfboards or wetsuits. So we right. had trunks, and the beach was free, and we would body surf and do whatever in the shore break, and then the boards would wash in, and we'd grab them and ride them. Because <laughs> we'd get, like, probably 15 feet off the beach and ride them, and then they'd come in. Looking at, we'd, we'd laugh. We'd watch them walk up and down the beach looking for their board. And then they'd realize we were on him. Right. And then they'd go, oh, what the fuck? Give me my surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. We, hey, we started surfing. And uh, we loved it. Yeah. And a lot of times me and my brother would fight over who got the board. But whatever. Yeah. Well, let's go. Cool. Where's your brother now? My brother now today has uh, moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. He loves it over there. And um, he's... Uh, Working there and getting his degree and going to school and just living that city life. Right. And, uh, you know, comes and sees the kids and still still, uh, still on his ride. Right. So um, once you started picking up boards from people that lost their board on the beach, when did you get your first board and how did you get, you know, started in surfing and contests and stuff? Well, I got... Um, my first board, I was at school, elementary school. I walked outside, and this guy was having a garage sale, and I saw this little 5'2", mm-hmm. it was a dome deck, single fin. And I'm like, dude, that board is sick. He's all 20 bucks. I said, dude, I make 5 bucks a week in allowance. 
He's all, come back in a month. Right. So, fuck, I took my allowance. I saved up for that month. Freaking didn't, you know, no candy bars and, you know, nothing. I, I couldn't do shit. Right. But all I could think about was that board, and I got the board. Yeah. And then I needed a fin. Uh-huh. My mom's like, well, I'll call Jay, because um, my mom was good friends with Jay Adams and well, his mom, and... um I went and I went over there. She took me over to the house and he gave me a, a Z-Flex foam fin. Mm-hmm. And it was this bitch in layered glass and foam in it. And the thing was just yellow and white. And I'll never forget it. Put it in the board, waxed it up. It was a Jeff Ho dome deck, 5-2, like Zephyr board. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I wish I had that board. I know there's so many boards I Somebody's got having. that thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's how I started. And then... I ended up uh, doing surfing every day in my trunks. Mm-hmm. And then my mom said, if you surf and show me you, you really want to do it, I'll buy you a wetsuit for Christmas. And I just surfed every day. I'd run out there and surf, come back in, put my clothes on. I'd wear like two pairs of jeans to the beach. <laughs> Sweatshirts, you know, because it was cold. And so cold. Then I, you know, pulled it. I, I, we went to uh, up north for... Um, Christmas to see my mom's best friend and mm-hmm. sure as shit there it was it was an extra extra small only all with zippers on the legs you know I'll never forget my little wetsuit oh yeah and uh, I was set I started surfing I'd surf every day and then I got a boogie board and I was boogie boarding and surfing on my boogie board a lot yeah. and then I entered all the contests and boogie boarding and I started winning the boogie board contest standing up doing my little 360s and then I'd run up the beach and surf like the surf contest too, we had a little local Horizons West surf contest, uh-huh. or and then uh, I shit, I got sponsored by Horizons West, which was a local surf shop, and started getting clothes and wetsuits, and it was epic. Yeah. What was the the first major contest that you won? Shit, the first major contest. Was the like an NSSA. NSSA Nationals right. at Huntington Pier when I was 12, right. boys' division. Right. Made it to the outside and got a bomb. Nice. I beat Shane Besh and I was all psyched. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Bet. And uh, I surfed, for, yeah, that was, a, that was a weird one. I remember the guys running the association to ask me to be on the national team and none of my friends were on the national team Mm -hmm. and my mom was there and she was always like quick to let me make a decision and so she's like well what do you want to do and i said well i want to hang out with my friends she's like well all right but the other thing might be better for your like surf contest and i was like well why and she's like well maybe they'll make you try harder Mm -hmm. and i was like yeah but am i gonna have fun and she's like well probably not and this is why you are surfing is to be happy. Right. She saw the joy it brought to me. And oh yeah. She didn't want that to go away, and she's like, "It's up to you," you know. And so yeah, I, I went back and I told PT. I think it was PT at the time. I said, "Yeah, I'm not going to do it." And he was like, "Well, you just ruined your surf career." <laughs> really. You know. And I was like, "Oh, 12 years old," you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, it turns out. I went on a different path, and it, was, uh, it wasn't like an easy one. It was a struggle, but it, it ended up working out. I mean, look at where we are now. Yeah, well, I'm looking at your face in the back of the ceiling. I have to turn around. 
And it's pumping out there, dude. Too bad the wind is just gnarly. The wind's gnarly. The swell direction's a little funky, but it's still beautiful. Yeah, there's some big barrels going on there still. Um, what do you? What about uh, you know? When I first met you, Strider, it was uh, fuck, it was a long time ago. But I remember it was at the Hurley Pro, and you, I got on a, a one of those vans that takes you down there to the contest and you just happened to jump on and it was uh i was down there with shane and kelly and and rob and i'd never met you yet and you just jump in you don't know anybody majority of the people in there are just tourists that are down there and you just start yapping your brains out i was like <laughs> look at this guy and i knew who you were you know and you're like yeah i just got back from uh nicaragua and it was just firing at giant barrels and went to honduras and and it was just so sick. And then I ended up, you know, becoming friends with you after that and um, through Kelly and stuff. But uh, I knew right then and there, you always, you had that vibe about you. You know, it was such a good vibe. And then to see you go into commentating like this, it was just absolutely natural for you. And you're killing it, bro. It was something I always wanted to do, but never was let through the front door to do. Mm-hmm. I actually was like hitting up guys like left and right. I remember I hit this guy up 10 years in a row, surfing for Quicksilver, then working for him. I'd go to Australia every year where the year starts, you know, right. on the Gold Coast. And I'd, every year I'd walk up to him and I'd say, hey, man, can I get in there this year? Can I just do a heat? Can I just do something? Right. No. 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 I got told no 10 years in a row. Wow. You know, and that was from the ASP. No, that was from Quicksilver. Okay. The guys at Quicksilver. And so I was just like kind of baffled. And, but everybody always told me I'd probably be good at it. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe they, they were worried about what I would say or what I would do or that I couldn't, you know, kind of rise to the occasion. Because mm-hmm. there's a big difference between sitting on the beach with your friends, having a conversation and talking shit, and, and getting in front of actually a mic. getting in front of a microphone saying things where you can explain a situation and keep people's uh, attention and, and really bring them to a moment without losing the core. Mm-hmm. And you also have to explain it kind of in layman terms to those that don't surf and trying to create an environment and an atmosphere for somebody who's not there. Right. All of that while you know you're live and your producers are in your ear talking to you. Right. Being able to say it in a way that (laughs) the surfers are going to be able to understand as well as the people that don't even have a freaking clue. You know, they're from Minnesota and they've never seen a wave before in their life. And they're, you know, and and you're, you are, you're, you're sitting there, you're talking, you got your, somebody's in your ear, Mm -hmm. you know, telling you what's going on, uh, trying to give you information, trying to kind of steer your, conversation whether it be the way you want to go or not mm-hmm. you know and you're as you're talking you're listening to somebody talk to you right and you're thinking about what you're saying and you're also thinking about what they're saying right and you're trying to figure out whether you go down that path because you don't want to say you know they're you're your producers right because you're trying to be on board but sometimes you're in, you're going one way and then they're asking you to go another Right. And you're talking about what you're talking about at that same time, and you're listening to what they're saying, and then you're trying to figure out what you're saying, and then the camera's on you. You're live. Right. And nobody would know, looking at you, 
that any of that shit's going on in your head because you're still talking at the same time. And it's just like you people have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on really behind the scenes, uh, especially in a, in a live broadcast. Right. Because the tensions are high in the truck where they're producing from. Mm-hmm. People are calling shots. Directors are calling out where to be, when to be there. They're trying to follow the conversation you're having. Then the producer has an idea of what they want, so they're trying to get that in there. There's messaging, you know, there's ads, there's all kinds of stuff, and you're trying to organically pull together. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you got to come, come across like there's nothing else happening except for what you're saying. Right. We've done a pretty dang good job of it. Well, thanks, buddy. But hopefully I didn't let the secret out of the bag that I'm super stressed out every time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look so comfortable. You look so comfortable. No, now. I'm not stressed out. But it, it is, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a learning process. Yeah, see, I don't know if I can handle something like that. You know, I've always been the one that's on the microphone, and I dictate whatever I want to say. Yeah. Um, and to have somebody else barking stuff in my ear going, hey, you need to go this direction or, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if I can handle that. It'd be, I'd probably be like, hey, I've got my producer in my ear over here, and he's telling me to go to this. What do you guys think, you know? So, Yeah, it, it's, but you know what? I'll be honest. I, I, I started this thing thinking this would be a fun job because I get to surf all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's become, it still is that. Right. And it's still my first and foremost passion is to just to be in the water. Uh-huh. And that's why I am out there most of the time trying to do my job out there from the water. Right. But the, the art of what we're doing is, is really fun. And to learn, because I was the last guy on the crew. Right. I'm l- literally like the youngest as far as uh, people and time behind the, the mic, so to speak. Right. So I was the last guy even to get the job. Actually, they'd already, they were done hiring. Huh. And they told me, sorry, bro, we're done. And I, so I learn, I'm learning and trying to figure out how to do this job, you know, as the year started. Right. You know, and I got, to, I got the call to come back and try out after I badgered them a bit about the fact that I thought that they were missing something and that they needed somebody like just kind of the typical surfer, mm-hmm. you know, although everybody on the program surfed and they all really were you know, perfect for the job, they, the look of it, there was, it was almost too manicured for me. And so me coming from the side, looking at it, going, you guys need somebody a little more, you know, like me. (laughs) I kind of sold myself as that guy. And long story short, I got in there and and tried to work away and started in Brazil. And it was kind of a, it was an okay event, but the more time you spend behind the microphone and in the job place, you, the more you learn, the more you, you know, mm-hmm. adapt to the situation, you get better. And that's been the funnest part of the job. Now, I Learning. remember when the WSL first started and they had their whole big team of guys. There was one dude that was, that's no longer there, but he was like from ESPN or something like that. Yeah, Pat Parnell. Pat Parnell. What happened to him? I, mean, I think Pat was just one year. He was there for he was there for a year, and he was he was awesome at setting things up, right? Really introducing a scene, and mm-hmm. and really, I mean, was so pro at doing his skill set. Um, and whatever happened, I think maybe there, you know, maybe he wanted to get paid more, or sure. you know, whatever it was. Uh, he was he was a really fun guy to work with. 
mm-hmm. you know, and a fun guy to hang out with. I mean, and he surfed and he was kind of a, a wave hog, though. But Oh, was he? <laughs> <laughs> Is he a good surfer? He's a great surfer, and he would just the waves would come in. But he was he had a knack for being like in the in, in the, the spot. It was kind of a wave magnet, right? And but the problem was he kind of abused that. If you were sitting out there and you hadn't caught a wave and he caught two, he'd right. take three. Really? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, you but know, that like was his pat. He had he was oblivious to it because <laughs> he was having so much fun, you right. know. And I I mean nobody really cared, but it was. Well, of course, everybody cares a little bit. Yeah. How, how often are you guys getting to surf? You're getting to surf on your days off. I know you guys get up 4 o'clock in the morning. Well, we get up early. Day. Not that early. No. But um, it was. It started out being like that. When we first started, there was some really early call times. But now that they're comfortable with what we're doing, we get up. You know, we, we got a call time in the morning for 6.30. Oh, know, that's you, not bad. It's not bad. And then you start even on air an hour and a half later. Yeah. And then so. we, so we have our seven o'clock meeting usually right. or seven thirty meeting, depending on what time the producers call it for. And then, you know, we have breakfast and get ready and rock and roll. We got ready to rock. Who's uh, some of your favorite guys to work with? You guys, you have a cast right now of you, Joe Trapel, yeah, uh, Ronnie Blakey. Um, who else you got with you? Rosie Hodge. Rosie. Over here, we got Kaipo Guerrero's right. been working a, a couple of the events. Love Peter Kaipo. Peter Mel's been, you know, such a pleasure. Martin Potter. Yeah. Barton Lynch is over here. Right. You know, all these guys uh that are that are here. You know, it's it's interesting. It's kind of a a crazy odd dynamic that you can have as many people that we work with, and there's no like, you know, you got we're all commentators. Right. But there's nobody crossing the, the line between us. Mm-hmm. There's nothing kind of out of place, and, and nobody's trying to be better than the next guy. Right. It's just about just – I think we all realize how lucky and how much we love what we're doing, and that's probably the part that really sticks us all in a, in a good place because we really do enjoy what we're doing. It looks like you guys get along great together as well, yeah. too. Yeah. So. You guys all travel together? Yeah, we all, I mean, we come from different places all over the world. Right. Right. So Australia, Hawaii, South Africa, California, just depends on, on where people are. But we all end up meeting somewhere on the, along the way, and it gets pretty funny. Right. I remember, <laughs> I remember when we were in Australia a couple of years ago, and uh, you were just pretty tight with your whole crew, cruising around with them. And I would jump in with you and stuff like that. Yeah, but. it it's an odd thing, literally, you know, people that most people, actually, I shouldn't say most, but for us, looking from at other situations, people work together, but mm-hmm. they don't really hang out together. Right. They don't really live together. Yeah. And we do. Yeah. We work together and we live together on the road and we stay in the same houses. We'll go out to breakfast together. We froth out and go surf and, you know, go out and, and, uh, and it's just one of those pretty interesting dynamics that we're all get along that well that we can do all those things together that's pretty cool yeah um so like i said your times to surf are on your days off yeah after the contest yep and um pretty much that and you ever come into events early so you can surf or stay later you know what not not usually you know there's so much going on in life that we we usually are just coming in for the event and getting it done while we're there mm-hmm. uh, with family and kids and everything. But 
I mean, for me, I'm really lucky. I get to, I surf, you know, I'm sitting off the end at J-Bay. Right. And it's eight foot roping through and, you know, the wave might come and you might be in the spot and you might have to go. Yeah. And you might <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about some of your... Um some of your classic things that you've had while you were commentating. Um, you were there in J-Bay yeah. when, when Mick Fanning got attacked. What was that like for you? That was pretty surreal. Yeah. Uh, that whole thing is one of those things where you just don't even, you kind of go out of the moment. It's hard to explain because I was sitting there watching the water, watching him, you see that what happens, the wave goes by, and you just go blank, like, what just, you know? What just happened, What yeah. just happened? And then you, you kind of like, and then, you, you know, Julian's power. It, it's just one of those bizarre moments where you think, like, how is this happening live right now in front of everybody? It's just one in a million kind of thing right. to have. Yeah, there's you know, people get attacked by sharks, and it's happened before, but really on live, live TV, TV on a broadcast while people are talking about like yeah. what's going on in the water, yeah. just coming down the corner to the, you know, on finals day, on finals you, day, I mean, everybody's you know watching. It was crazy, and but you know what? I was out in the water this year at J Bay, mm-hmm. sitting on the back of the ski, and water patrol sees a shark. They had a shark spotting plane. Down, way down the inside. And it was on, our, on its way up. Right. And the jet skis went down there and tried to, you know, shoo it away. Shark didn't care. No. Just went down. She kept popping back up, but further and further up the point. So down the end there on the point, everybody goes in. Yeah. Impossibles, you know, like there's, everybody's out of the water. And, you know, it's 10-foot shark, great white, just comes right up, comes right to where we are sitting in the lineup. And literally comes by and paddles right next to us. And I'm sitting on the back of the jet ski two feet away, as close as we are. Wow. And I could have put my hand out and touched it. Wow. And the producer's kind of going, is that you on the ski? Because they got a drone over it. And I'm going, yeah. And, and he's like, don't touch it. You know, and I was like, because I was like <laughs> literally ready to touch the ski or touch the shark because it was like so beautiful, docile, just swimming by you, you know, and you're, I don't know, I'm pretty much baffled by sharks we don't the behavior how beautiful how radical like how gnarly they are but how smooth and clean and there's like you watch these things in the water it just blow your mind yeah and i just wanted to touch it so bad but yeah i just cruised up and they went and got the other surfers out of the water and you go out on the boat and you talk to them about it it, you know strider don't touch it (laughs) (laughs) we know you want to touch it don't touch it (laughs) but anyway yeah it's I'm flying over here yesterday. Their house. Yeah, I'm flying over here yesterday. And as soon as I'm leaving Kona, they've got those big fish cages out there. And I'm yeah. in a little prop plane, right? And uh, I look out the window, see this humongous tiger shark. I'm talking as big as they come. And he's just in such slow motion moving. That thing was so big, so wide. It's, dude, its head looked like it was way bigger than this table right here. It was just crazy. I'm, I'm hitting my girlfriend. I'm like, look at the size of this shark. Holy shit. It was just beautiful, bro. Out yeah. of the water. But, you know, sharks are bizarre. And I've had a couple run-ins. And 
I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. But it, I have to learn to to educate myself. Have you ever been which, bumped? Which I've done, and I've gotten to know their them a little better mm-hmm. since. Yeah, actually, I had one try to eat me. What? Yeah. In Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Off the Gordo Bank, which was Jacques Cousteau's playground. And it was... Just, a, what, a bull shark? It's a... Tiger? It was a bull shark. And I was on the beach with Marty Hoffman, uh-huh. Terrence McNulty, and Peter McGonagall, wow. who still lives Old down there. Name. Who Who I ran into down there. But anyway, back to the story. It's hot. Freaking 100 degrees, having a corona. I'm like 19. And they're like, let's go spear fishing. And I'm like, they're all like, we don't have a, a spear gun for you, but you can come with us. You know, you can just whatever. Here's a gaff. You can just swim around with a gaff. You know, like, okay, little did I know I was, was swimming around with a lure. So I, I jump in the water. We go out 10 miles or five miles or whatever it was. It was looking back. He's lining up the peaks of the mountain on this little 10-foot skiff. And I'm like, where are we going? He's like, there's a rise out here. So it turns out the bottom contour, it just shoots up and has this crazy food chain. Mm-hmm. Jump in the water. I think I see the bottom. I'm like, well, it's shallow. He's like, oh, look again. There's no way you can see the bottom. And it was like a thousand, you know, 50 pound tuna going by. Wow. And I was like, whoa, you know, kind of like, whoa. Yeah. He's all just stay next to the anchor line. All right. I'm swimming around out there and I like see what I think is a tuna. Then I, maybe it was a big sailfish maybe. Mm -hmm. And then it was a shark. Jeez. And I had the gaff in my hand. I'm like, oh, this isn't good. And I'm terrified. Right. You know, it's the first time I've seen a shark in the water. Yeah. And I'm going, fuck, that's a fucking (laughs) big shark, you know? (laughs) And it comes at me and like just hones in on my fear probably because my heartbeat was going. Sure. I'm under, I'm like maybe 20 feet underwater. You know, I'm not even that deep. I'm just hanging off the uh, anchor line. But by this time, I drifted away from the anchor line because I was not paying attention to the anchor line. I was looking at the shark. Comes right up to me, kind of looks at me, and kind of quick tail, like, whip, and goes out about 15 feet, comes back in, does a nice little circle around underneath me, kind of looking up at me, and then floats up. And his eyes roll back in its head, and the freaking gills open up, and the tail whips up over its head, and it just goes into attack mode. No way. And it was just, I'm here I am, just sitting in the water still with a six-foot gaff in my hand, a metal gaff with a little hook on it, you know? And I'm going, what do I fucking do? And it, I like put the thing out at its face, I hit it in the nose. Right. And it kind of twitches out a little bit and does another loop and comes back and then goes back into attack mode. Wow. And I'm like, well, here he comes again. I'm like, dog. So it goes to, it whips, right? They whip. Right. They, like their tails whip and they, they come at you going 100 miles an hour. And I put the gaff out and the gaff went right in its mouth. And I'd missed the face of it. Oh, shit. And literally, as. He was about to, like, basically take my arm off. My buddy Peter McGonagall shot the shark with a huge blue water spear gun. Right. Boom, right through the back. And the shark tweaked out. And I looked over at him, and I'm like, and he, I just see the shark tweak out and then dive. 
I'm looking at him. He's holding on to his gun, looking at me, and he's looking down at his. He's got nylon rope on it, uh-huh. 400 yards. It's smoking underwater, <laughs> literally. And I'm going, oh my god, what are you gonna do? You would, I'm, and he's, you know, I'm by this time I'm like out of breath. I'm going to the surface. I'm kind of kicking up, watching him. I can see his lines almost gone. He just wrapped himself around his gun and disappeared into the blue. Really? Gone, 100 feet deep, easy, disappeared below me. And I thought, oh, he's dead. He, he didn't have a float on his gun. Uh-huh. So he wanted to keep his gun, sure. $3,000 spear gun. So I get him to the top, and Marty's like, where is he? I go, dude, he's dead. He went down with the shark. He's like, what shark? I'm like, I'm going to the boat. So I start swimming back to the boat. Terrence and, and Marty are just like, what happened? You know, I'm like, I'm white, literally white. And, and the boat's like probably, I don't know, you know, 50 yards away, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more by now. And I'm swimming for it. All of a sudden we hear this, hey, hey, he's coming back up. And it was, and it was Pete McGonagall. He's back on the surface. And a shark is coming right for us. Really? Bleeding, spear through it. Pissed. Pissed. Right for me. Didn't even fucking look at Marty. Just coming right for me. Right. Dude, Marty turned around, shot the shark. Boom! Again, two big spears through this thing. Uh-huh. Shark's tweaking out, going off. I get in the boat. Terrence, blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. I'm freaking out. Terrence is going, oh, dude, what happened? And like, Marty's like, Marty's on the, or I'm on the boat, Terrence is on the boat, Marty's in the water, Pete's in the water, and Marty's going, shoot it again, because Terrence had his gun. Shoot it again. He shoots it. He falls backwards from the recoil. <laughs> now he's got three spears in it, oh, shit. and it's still just going off. So everybody gets back on the boat finally. Shark is just pissed still. And we're like, well, what are we going to do? And then uh, Pete's like, well, Put the, put the shark in the boat. We'll do a, we got to go back. So we pull the anchor line up, try to put the shark on the boat. The shark won't fit on the boat. It's too big. Right. Shark's like 500 pounds or whatever, you know. Things, Holy shit. You know, pretty damn big shark. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so we, we, we got this little, like, 15-horse motor, and we're, like, tied a rope around the uh, shark's tail, dragging it backwards, thinking, oh, right. well, it'll, it'll drown, right? It'll die. Fucking shark won't die. Swimming away. We're going backwards. And it, it was... So Pete, like, jumps in with his knife, just sticks the knife in its guts and rips out its innards and finally kills the shark. Oh, God. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal, dude. Brutal. So you can imagine how, like, at whatever, you know, a young age, I was... Yeah, I would be afraid of sharks. I was terrified too. of sharks. Yeah. And I still kind of am, but, you know, if you get that uh-uh feeling, I bail... Right away. Right. But we brought it in, carried it up the hillside, took photos of it. And where where did They you made get, food uh, with it. Like, they took it, they, you know, they ate the shark. Now, sometimes you're in the water on a surfboard, okay, sitting out there for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. What spot scares you the most for that? Is it in Australia? Is it in South Africa? Well, obviously, South Africa now because of what Well, happened. Africa is more of a, like, when you're surfing, you're, pretty surf stoked freaked out so you don't even like think not about it, thinking right. about it that much but i too first session ever i paddled out with rosie hodge at, out of boneyards at uh at super tubes you know out there at jeffrey's yeah. bay the top of the point 
you know, huge 15-foot great white basically came into this wave right in front of us and just, <laughs> Rosie, shark! And I was like, ah! <laughs> Took this 10-footer on the back just to get away from it, but, you know, like, I was... <laughs> Going in. Dude, man. it's gnarly out there. What that about that? same trip, Ross, about, like, you know. Uh, Margaret's area? Margaret's, the there's box. a lot of sharks out there. There's sharks everywhere, but... You know, when we're when I'm working, uh-huh. I'm usually in those shark territories. I'm on a ski, okay. unless I'm jumping off to catch a wave, right? Because it's kind of a liability thing, so they want to make sure I'm safe, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty safe on a ski. I mean, if a shark wanted to, it could come hit the ski and knock me off and take me if it wanted to. But right. you know, you don't think that that's going to happen. No, you're just more interested in petting it. And you're working and. <laughs> 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 well, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the one of the other crazy things was uh, a couple of years ago during the eddy, you were on the ski. Yeah. And I was watching you on the point, and you. <laughs> <laughs> I went for the ride of my life that day, huh? Yeah, you got jacked too, big yeah. time. You were hurt for a while because of that. Yeah. W- weren't you on the ski with Abe? I was on the ski with Abe. Again, you know, you're you're work you're working. Yeah. Um, but I was with best driver in the world well let's fr- let's frame this up really quick because this is one of the biggest eddies we've had it was closing out the whole bay yeah. con- continuously yeah it was definitely uh the biggest event i've seen out there and in but, flawless conditions you know i think brock little the year with all those photos of brock little he fell out right. of the sky and that really it was like that big yeah and the direction was great but the, so the the direction for this swell for this eddy at cal was really big and some of the waves were closing out because there was a lot of sand that had been pulled out into the middle of the bay. Mm. So there was like a shallow spot, a shallower spot there. So there was 60 foot faces coming in mm-hmm. and it was closing out on the big sets. So when you're on the back of a jet ski, having to deal with, uh, you're, you're, you're working, right? So you got a cameraman. So I got a cameraman on the ski in front of me. I'm laying, I'm on the back of the sled. Right. And then you got Abe Lerner driving the ski and you're working and, you know, these sets are coming in and sometimes you can't get over them. And so the inside of YMA is pretty hectic. Mm-hmm. The shore break, some famous, world famous shore break. Right. You know, it's big, huge, like 20 foot face slammers on the beach and it's just a place you don't want to be. Um, so I'm, he would run in on those big sets and you'd get right along the shoreline. You're literally in like two feet of water right. and he's whipping it and trying to get back out through it all. And I got whipped off the back of the ski once I foot caught the sand and I had let go or else I would have broke my leg. Wow. And <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. And then, uh, I had to, uh, run up the beach mm-hmm. before I got sucked back into the shore break. I ran up and I, Saw like a couple of my friends from Malibu actually, like the Shumos were standing there right where I ran up. So I was just high fiving my friends, and then uh, Abe came whipping in. I jumped back on the ski and we went back out. And we were in the pit, really just trying to get the shot, but trying to be smart about it because you got to run back to the beach every time a set sure. comes and the producer comes on and he goes, We want to feel like what it's like to get caught inside. So stay in the pit as long as you can. 
Okay. And I love those producers, don't you? Well, hey, they're always pushing to make it better, right? <laughs> right. And and so we're sitting there. And I hear him. I hear him. You know, come on and say this. Right then, this big set comes, and Mason Ho takes off, mm-hmm. just bouncing down the face, almost gets to the bottom, almost pulls it, and then wipes out. And as he wipes out, the film guy, you know, he's filming him, and he looks up, and we're literally underneath like a, you know, 50, 60-foot face wave. Right. <clears throat> and you can't turn and burn when you're already in the face of it. And so we just, like, got to the top of it, and, you know, what you do when you're on a big wave going over it is you literally throw it in reverse because ah. your momentum is going to take you over the wave. Right. So if you go too fast, you're going to fly off of it. So we threw it in reverse, and, but the offshore winds caught the back of the sled right. and tossed the, it was kind of like a whip it. Yeah. So I got whipped off of it like a slingshot into the air. Right. And so I was pretty high in the air and went flying and I couldn't see anything white out, right? With the just white wind and everything. And little did I know that the ski had gone, I was basically, if I would have held on, taking the ski into a flip. Mm-hmm. So I let go, and when I let go, it was like the top of the whip. So I was just airborne. The ski came down nose first off the back of the wave. So it fell probably 20 feet right. out of the air. And so I was like 30 feet. Coming back down onto it. Going back down onto it. But the ski luckily had, like, had nose-dived and then recorrected and was flat. So Abe and Larry had fallen off the ski already mm-hmm. after, you know, because they went straight down into it. And then I came down, but I couldn't see anything. Right. So my arms were kind of, I was trying to like feel where I was, but I didn't have them over my head to uh-huh. feel. I had them kind of out in front of me because I didn't know which way was up. And I ended up landing on my head on the back of the sled. Holy shit. Luckily it was the sled because if it was the ski, a hard thing, I probably would have broke my neck. Right. But I really tweaked my neck, really tweaked my head. Um, I got a bad concussion. And I couldn't do, I couldn't sit in front of a computer for like four months. Wow. And I was like pretty out to lunch. And I went, actually, when I landed, I got knocked out. And I was in the water sideways. And they were getting back on the ski. And noticed you. And then they looked back and I had woken up literally as they were about to take off. Wow. Because they there was another wave coming. Yeah. And I like looked at the ski and looked at them. And then Abe looked back to see if I was okay. And I looked up and I just put my hand on the ski and he started driving and it pulled, it corrects you onto the ski kind of a thing. Right. And so I ended up on the back of the ski again, going over the next wave. And I kind of laid on the back of the ski probably for about a half an hour without saying a word. Just, I took some water in. I was kind of spitting. Were you done for the day? A little bit. Point? And I was not, you know, what, what happened was is I didn't realize how bad the injury was or what had happened. Uh-huh. I just, you know, you're so in the moment and full of adrenaline. You're going through 60-foot waves. You're, you know, running from 60-footers. You're whipping it on the beach. You're all over the joint watching your, some of your best friends just eat shit on gigantic waves, you know, and ride out the best waves of their lives. You know, the adrenaline levels are so high that you don't really feel an injury until days later, I think. And then I came to about 30 minutes later, I, I, my earpiece had popped out Mm -hmm. and I was realized 
what I was doing in the water. I didn't even remember that I was working. Wow. And then I put the earpiece back in and I heard Chris, are you okay? <laughs> We've been trying to get a hold of you My for producer. like 30 minutes, man. And then I was like, where'd you go? I was like, yeah, dude, I'm still here. And he's like, oh, well, what's going on out there? And I remember going on this rant, just a rumble of just how beautiful it was right. and how big the waves were and how lucky we were to be out there. Well, I was sitting on the point. You know that, that house yeah. right there on the point? Yeah. So I was watching that. I could see everything right there in front of me, and I can see everything right there on the side. And I saw you going through that. And it was just, we were like, holy shit. Yeah. Was, another one was Brian Bielman. As yeah. Well. Brian was on another freaking <laughs> badass one. You guys were taking lickings. I had Bonga on the show here a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he was telling me how during all of that, his ski broke. And he had to get towed into the beach yep. through that shore break. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, it was the gnarliest thing ever. But um, they figured out a new way how to get skis onto the beach and surf like that. Yeah. Through that. It so. was, that was definitely the highlight. That was the highlight of, I guess, my short-lived commentary career of four years <laughs> okay let's get let's get to the meat here okay because here we are we're at pipeline okay shit's coming to a head right here in the next few days in the next week we're gonna have a new world champion um yes and, we are and it could be john john it could be gabrielle um well I if it's Julie, john john we're not gonna have a new world champion right a recurring we're gonna have the defending world champ. The defending world champ. So what, what are you feeling right now? You know, we, we got to see, what, six heats, six, seven heats the other day? Yeah. I, I, you know, I've, these great conversations happen between the commentators. Right. Um, and, and great conversations. just happen to have one, another great commentator walk. Yeah, Martin there. Potter just rolled up, 89 yeah. world champ. Yeah, he, the guy's a stud over there. <laughs> so he, he's eating a little bento plate. Everybody's got their opinion on what they think. And, you know, I usually say how I feel. Right. And whatever. You know, I can be wrong. But if you feel it, you say it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of the love um, I think I get from people is that I'm not, not, like, scared to say how I feel. Right. I'm very honest about what I think is happening. And I don't really hold back very much because I feel like then you're not giving people yourself. Sure. And that's what this job is all about. It's about giving them all of you and what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Because that's why you're doing the job. That's your position. Sure. Um, you know, for me, this world title race is has been incredible. It was Jordy's to lose. He lost it because yeah. he was on a roll. But I think he got too serious, and he needed, he needed to stay. I think it was uh, like Pete Mel that pointed it out, that he, he's his best when he's boasting mm -hmm. and claiming. And you can see like, him seething with, you know, the win. Um, then John started running away. It was a couple Julie, Julian. Julian's he's in the race and, and anything can happen. I don't think he's going to win. Right. Um, and then before the event started, I was like, okay, who's, you know, and then another conversation happened with another commentator. I think that, you know, from the other commentator, I think that John John's got too much pressure on him. Mm -hmm. Right. 
I think Gabriel's got, you know, they were saying how I th- they thought Gabriel had nothing to lose. And I was like, I think it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I feel like John has already just won a world title. Right. He is at home, statistically, the best surfer never to win the Pipe Masters. So he's, he's due. Right. Um, knowing all these kind of things and driving around your hometown and, Seeing the love. There's so much love. There's Did you can't go anywhere without seeing Go, go John. John. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, depends on who you are as a person. But mm-hmm. I see that kind of stuff and it fills me up with love. Right. If those things said go Strider, dude, it'd be hard to stop me. Right. To win the world title if I'm in that position. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, you know, you're. And so when I look at that, I look at that as just nothing but motivation for him. To win. And it's probably fired up Gabriel Medina even more to win. Sure. And with that, I think he's the one who's cracking. I think he's the one who's having a hard time with it. Right. I think that he wants to win so bad because he lackadaisically came into number two in the world after winning that event in France. Right. All of a sudden, oh, that felt good. And now I'm in contention. Wins in, you know, Portugal. Yeah, well, oh. he also came on tour freaking going, bam, and winning the world title like that. Now I'm, now and everybody's going, oh, my God, this guy's going to claim now a I'm, bunch. Now I'm, you know, number two in the world. I got to go. I'm going to Hawaii. Yeah. Like, I'm in this. I'm, now, this is a two-horse, basically a two-horse race statistically and, and with numbers. And he's the one who had... He, He's coming off of, you know, a world title a few years ago, mm-hmm. but he needs, he hasn't backed he, himself he up. Hasn't he hasn't done anything. No. Okay. But he has become one of the most famous surfers in the world. Mm-hmm. He's become the star darling of Brazil. He's got millions, hundreds of millions of people that know his name and want him to win. And he knows they all are expecting him to win. Right. They are, it's like an expected thing. Yeah. And they're the, not, they're not the saying Brazil. we want you to win. And the Brazilian community over here is huge. Oh, dude, it's crazy. So for me, he's got the pressure. He's, got, he, he's the one. And I feel like it's going to be hard for him to win with all that. And I feel like it, when he has that kind of pressure, it, it's going to be hard for him to rise to it mm-hmm. and get through it. Right. But if anybody could do it, it would be somebody like him as a dark horse and him coming into it. But I feel like... Are you picking John, though? I'm picking John, yeah. Okay. What about Kelly? He's back in the action. Slates is back in the action, I think, a little too soon. Yeah, I think so, too. He looks a little tentative to me. Yeah. I feel like he's... I noticed his feet were farther apart because he's trying to work and he's that back in it, but, what, you know, I feel like he's almost needing to feed himself again, right? Because right. he's been out of it so long. Um, a competitive hunger mm-hmm. to win again, but I think he's got to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. Because one wave out there could end his whole year next year, or and that's the last. The and, well, that could be the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's the last thing you want from for him. But he's what forty six years old. Forty five. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna be forty six real soon. Yeah. A couple of months. Two months. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, that career is like right there. 
So um, now we have a couple of new stops on tour this year. Yeah, we've yanked a couple of out trestles and Tavarua, which Tavarua is one of my favorite ways on the planet. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> and nobody's happy about Tavarua. Nobody's happy about and that. Nobody, you know, a lot of people are upset about trestles. Um, Karamas is a tough, you know, these, you're looking at this. Karamas is a great high performance wave. And Kelly's wave are going to be tough on some of these other guys. Um, Especially guys for like Owen Wright and Jordy Smith. Those are two huge tall guys. Yeah. Well, that, the wave pools, I think going to be different for those guys, but they can, they can. Right. They can do it. And Karamas is really, really hard to surf on your backside. Yeah. It okay, is. If, if that wave will pass you up really fast. But these guys are the best in the world. So I don't think Still. any of that's going to play into the factor of uh, Karamas is like one of the most high performance waves in the world. Sick barrel to just do whatever you want on the end section. Right. I mean, up until a few, you know, a few maneuvers ago, that was the place that boasted the biggest alley-oop in a competition by John Florence, right. you know, and it, it some of the sickest, like just running barrels coming out and just going into these sections with so much speed. So I really like that wave as a stop, as far as you know, if you're gonna change it up. Right. As a goofy footer, I would have. I think it's know, temporary. Help, I think it's temporary. G-Land you know. Go to well, it, I I think it's temporary. I think it's you know it's just a. I think there's a lot more going on behind the doors than we know as far as what happens and. You know, for the wave pool and Fiji and what's going on and um, that trestles. I mean, you can't even imagine how much that permit's gotten to be. Yeah. Now, <laughs> um, I, here's my question. Um, how are they going to judge the wave pool? Because every single wave is going to be the same. What are they going to give them? A couple of rights and a couple of lefts? You get a left and a right. You get a le- one, two waves each. That's it. And you got to perform. I've never seen surfers so nervous in my whole life before they went to their heats there. Right. Not a pipeline, not a chopu, not a trussels. So because in all these other platforms, day, right? Yeah, all these other platforms, you've got, you know, other chances. Mm-hmm. You, there's no second chances. Yeah, the wave's perfect. It's the same thing every time, but it's still really hard to ride. Yeah. It's still has an X factor, and you have to step up. And if you don't, you're not going to get your score. Right. And the rough part is you're going to be sitting there, other guys are going to surf, and you're going to kind of know what you need to do. You're going to have to push your game, all this above the lip, aerial action is going to go down. I mean, there's going to be some – and those are the guys who, if they pull it, they win. Yeah. You see some new maneuvers being made there? I don't think I'm going to see. Too, I don't think I'm going to see anything new, but we'll definitely see guys trying to execute. Right. And they're going to have to practice, and it's going to be, you know, get get as much time out there as you can. Yeah. What I think you- I think it needs another couple feet on it. I think it needs to be almost twice as big. Sure. And the consequences like need to be to higher, and it needs to be a little bit. A little bit more like, you know, something can happen. Mm-hmm. I think entertainment value will still be there, but it, for me, I would like to see it bigger and gnarlier and, and give it a little more um, entertainment value with it. You know, a couple broken boards. Sure. Some, maybe a broken arm or two. 
<laughs> I ate it on that thing. I hit the bottom. It would hurt. It's yeah, cement. It's cement, man. So, hey, you want to entertain somebody. I mean, you're going to have somebody in a perfect wave in a wave pool. Let's, let's turn it up a little bit. Right. Let's get it to where, you know. Now, can they? I think it'll get there. Yeah. yeah. I think they have to design a, you know, a bigger wedge system or whatever. Yeah, they right? have to put, just turn everything up a notch. Yeah. Which means, you know, whatever, more money. More time. Speaking of money, it seems like you have a lot of money, dude, because every <laughs> single time I see you, you're on a private jet. Dude, that is and, just and smoke just, and mirrors, my you friend. You just posted one where you had one that looks like your shade bottles. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ghost. You've got the best sunscreen out there on the planet right now, right? I feel like I do, yeah. yeah. Shade sunscreen is built for the best performance possible, uh-huh. as well as being environmentally friendly mm-hmm. and that's our motto is to have performance as, as high lies. as you can get as far as it's staying on in the water and protecting your skin as a topical right. that doesn't go into your bloodstream mm-hmm. uh, there's no alcohol no oil no fragrance no chemical sun filters right it's a mineral block um, that simply sits on top of your skin because of its bonding agent and will not go into your bloodstream right how do you get it off i have a remover uh-huh that you can you know use wipes or you know pretty much whatever sure. you, whatever you want to get into but it's like one of those foaming cleansers <clears throat> i have a foaming cleanser that we that we produced so that people can get it off and because it does stay on really well and we have new products coming out that are kind of daily ones mm-hmm. that have uh, less waterproofing so more of a, an, an everyday sunscreen, uh, and then a body product and gels and a spray that's a pure zinc spray yeah. without aerosol. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Another topical. And the, the whole point of it is to create products that, you know, aren't going to wash off your body in the ocean and kill the reefs. Right. Aren't that's gonna, huge. Aren't gonna, they're banning yeah. all sunscreens well, out here. It's about that time. I mean, all these guys have all this stuff they're putting on people that, you know, they have no real understanding of where it's going. Sure. In in the ocean or in their bodies. Yeah. And if you have got oil and stuff in your sunscreens, that's the conduit into your skin. You know, it's just there's that world is going to change rapidly over the next five years, mm-hmm. and I I'm a huge advocate of. Just making sure people wear sunscreen and melanoma awareness. And it, it doesn't care who you are. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care if you're Chinese, white, black, Korean. You're going to get sun. You can get melanoma. You can get skin cancer. Sure. You can end up in a really bad way. And it starts at a really young age. And, I'm, you know, you really got to take care of your family and your kids and everybody that's, you know, every day before you walk outside, you should put some form of sunscreen on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm, I've tried to create is a, a sunscreen that you can wear every day and it won't harm you or your kids and, or the environment, you know, mm-hmm. as best I can. Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job. I love the stuff. I know I've got people calling me all the time saying, hey, Dose, where, where, can, I, where can I get this <laughs> stuff at, man? So um, where can people find it? Um, mostly it, you know, your hardcore surf shops. Uh-huh. I went out and opened up a bunch on foot as a yeah. foot soldier. I was selling, you know, 
CDs out of the back of my car, so to speak. Sure. I uh, showed up at surf shops up and down the West Coast, and you've helped me over here in mm-hmm. Hawaii on, on a big island, and um, Kaipo Guerrero is helping me out over here on Oahu. And it, it's one of those things where, and you can get it online, really, right. you can, if you go direct if you want. What's the website called? That's just shadesunscreen.com. Cool. Which cool. has been a, a great thing for us, and it's such a fun ride, and I'll tell you what, I've never had a company before, uh-huh. but it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. And so being a dad and having kids and, and the wife and the job and having the sunscreen company, it's, there's not enough time in the day. Yeah, it's got to be tough because you're traveling so much, you know, to be able to see your kids and your family, too. Well, they come so. with me no matter what if it's over two weeks. Yeah. So they're showing up. Okay, that's good. Came to Australia. They flew into Fiji. Are they homeschooled? Nope, they go to they go to school right there and point to them. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, um, we're gonna wrap things up here, but where can people find you at on social media? I'm at Strider's World. Okay. And, and it's uh, a big world. It's a fun world, man. And you know, I'm just a, a little warning. You know, don't hate. <laughs> Kelly's getting a lot of Congratulate. haters right now. <laughs> Kelly's getting so many haters right now. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard. I think Kelly's he's in a, in a place where when you're on top, everybody wants to take you down. Yeah. He came off an amazing surfing career, was the best ever, you know, at that. And I Built feel like... Built an amazing wave pool. You know, he brought something new to the world Surfboards. that was, is, is on its way. He's not the only one who has a wave right. pool, by the way. Um, you know, there's all these other wave pools out there that are, that are rising. People are building new ones all over the place. They're saying how theirs is going to be better and blah, blah, blah. He just happens to have the best one. Right now. With a groundswell feel. That's just second. Right. I mean, the thing's amazing. And, he, you know, he's got a surfboard company, a clothing company that, you know, he's working with. And some people out there are giving him a hard time. Yeah. And you know what? He... Just in the defense of business owners, having a business myself, it takes time to get it right. Mm-hmm. Just because he's been doing this for a couple of years with the surfboard thing, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's not doing it exactly right yet. But right. it takes time to do that. You know. Well, I know he went in there with the intention of, hey, you know what? These boards are being made, you know, eco-friendly and safer than the, your typical surfboard that's made out there with all the gnarly resins and crap, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, he's, even with his clothing company, it's all a mindset of using recycled materials and eco-friendly Yeah, stuff. fair labor. Yeah. You know, and, and he's done a great job, I, I think of it. But, you know, it's also, you know, with that, it, that's not just going to, that's not a walk in the park. Sure. Walk into the, one of these, like, walk into the, 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 textile world and create a, a clothing line you know i don't care who you are that's just, just so hard to do especially with the amount of people in the game yeah and that's the same thing with the like for me with the sunscreen it's a mafia yeah you know i, I walked in i was like oh whoa <laughs> people start looking at you funny and they're like oh who are you what really like you know you're big guys you know all these huge sunbomb corporate boat. Yeah. corporate names out there that are just gnarly yeah you know and they don't want to give up any space no so 
but there is enough room out there for you. If you have a dream and you have a, a feeling that you should do something, do it. And that's what we did with, with Shade. And so far, so good. And we love what we're doing and we're going to keep doing it. And I feel like it's a huge success just to create a product, mm-hmm. put it in a package on the shelf. Right. Uh, to me, that's success in itself. And if it goes goes mad, and which it's already doing really well, I, get, I mean, if we have more success, so be it. I'm psyched. Love it. But so far, I'm I'm pumped with where it is. I'm pumped where it's at too. You know, I can't wait to go put some on and go for a <laughs> surf, man. But well, we're gonna wrap things up. Okay. So, Strider, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, buddy. Love you, brother. Thank you, Dozer. And uh, yeah, hopefully one of these guys is gonna put on a show or both of them and. We're going to have a new world champ here. They're both going to put on a show. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Strider. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, uh, hooey-ho. Strider, thanks for being on the show. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Special thanks to my sponsors for making this all happen, such as Original Nutritionals. These guys aren't your regular meathead supplement brand. It's just pure basic and essential food and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. My buddy Logan founded the company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it right. Um, Head over to OriginalNutritionals.com, grab what you need, and for listening, just enter in promo code DOZNOS at checkout and get 15% off at OriginalNutritionals.com. Kona Boys, they've been serving up gear for Island Life in Aloha since 1996. They're the one-stop shop uh, for fun. They operate a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides. Those are outrigger canoes, paddleboard tours, and lessons. And they're one of the only companies permitted to do kayak tours in Kealakekua Bay. So if you need rentals for boards, bikes, or other beach goodies, Kona Boys is the spot. They have two locations, one at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel, the other one down at Captain Cook. Also, you can find them online at KonaBoys.com. Go check out all the cool gear that they have from Patagonia to you name it. They got it, their own stuff. And uh, at checkout, whether you're online or at one of the stores, just tell them you heard it on Doze Nose or enter in promo code Doze Nose and get 15% off. Go say hi to Frank and Brock. They're the shit. You'll love these guys. Green Organic Energy Drink. These guys are so legit. They're based out of Oahu. And their mission is, is pretty simple. is to help support healthy and active lifestyles with their organic and kick-ass beverages. Uh, green has been the go-to beverage for surfers and divers and hunters like myself, pretty much anyone who lives an action-packed lifestyle. The certified organic brew contains powerful green tea to keep to give you a natural boost, hydrated coconut water to keep you going strong, and kale to keep your body loaded up with all the phytonutrients that you need. Look, guys, if you haven't tried green, you're missing out, man. But the good news is you can go to their website at Drink Green and um, you can get a three can trial pack one of all three flavors 
with promo code Dozer3. All you got to do is pay the flat rate USPS postage and get the cans delivered to your door. They sell for around three bucks a can in the stores. So here's your chance to get three for free. And check it out. GoPro has been transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves engaged in the sport, GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves, engage in their interests, whatever they may be. From extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer, GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. For more information, go to GoPro.com, or you can find them on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn. Find them in any store these days. They have the most badass cameras. Gotta go check them out. They have the new Fusion that's out now. The thing's ridiculous. The Hero 6. Crazy, crazy good stuff. Um, Oakley sunglasses. Prism lenses. So badass. My boy Ronnie Nelson got me involved with Oakley. And I'll tell you what, it's the best sunglass company on the planet. You know, I cannot walk outside my door without wearing a pair of these. So go check them out, oakley.com, and find the prism lenses that will fit your lifestyle. If you're ever over in Southern California, then you definitely want to go to Deuce Gym if you need that workout workout on. Um, It's the best gym on the planet, man. These guys uh, specialize in strength training, CrossFit, Strongman, cardio, you name it. They've got it going on there. They're uh, right there in Venice Beach. Go check them out. Go see my friends Logan and Lindsay. We'll get you all dialed in there. Deuce Gym. Find them online at deucegym.com. Um, if you're ever here in Kona, make sure you stop by Kona Coffee and Tea. It's where you get my morning crack on every morning. Best coffee in the world. You guys all heard about Kona Coffee. Shit, legit. Well, these guys, they grow it up on the mountain of Hualalai. They roast it, bring it down fresh every day for you and I to enjoy. And uh, i got to tell you, man, I love this shit. I, it's already set up for my morning right now. I'm going to have it. It's in my coffee pot. I'm excited already. I can smell the beans. I just ground. Go check them out at KonaCoffeeAndTea.com. Find them on all social media as well. <coughs> Excuse that cough. You guys like to fish? I do. Go check out Maverick Sport Fishing while you're here in Kona. Go see Captain Trevor Child. Give him a call at 808-896-7985 or find him online at mavericksportfishingkona.com. And uh, if you ever thought about catching that thousand pound on it, there's a good chance you're going to catch it on this boat. Or a giant ahi or some mahi-mahi or ono. Yeah, this boat's legit, man. It's 40-footer. It's air-conditioned. Bedrooms, bathrooms, kitchen, living room, state-of-the-art gear. Um, they specialize in half-day, three-quarter-day, full-day, and even overnight charters. Um, so, MaverickSportFishingKona.com. Go check them out. Um, if you guys uh, want some really, really cool jewelry, my girlfriend, Jamie, makes the best necklaces, rings, whatever you want. She's the wire-wrapping queen of the world. 
Her shit is so legit. Um, you can find her at Earthly. It's E A R T H L E E uh, Jewelry.com. Or you can find her on social media, same name, um, but it's Earthly underscore Jewelry. And you're going to see everybody wearing these things. They're pretty badass, man, from her moonstones to whatever. Um, it's really, really cool stuff. Big congratulations to John John Florence. Um, he just won his second consecutive world title. And uh, he is backed by Hurley. Hurley Clothing, who also backs this podcast. Do they make the best clothes ever? They sponsor the best people ever. And you got guys like John John tearing it up out there, wearing Hurley clothing. Why would you not want to wear it? So go check them out at Hurley.com and find out what John John's wearing and you can take that same stuff home. Speaking of home, I am going home. Thanks everyone for uh, tuning in and until next time, uh, we hope. Everybody knows those knows. Everybody knows those knows. Everybody knows those. And if you don't know, now you know. Everybody knows those knows. Everybody knows those knows.